on Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Well, I wonder if he's satisfied today, Carlos Alberto Diego, Fordiegos.com, at Fordiegos on Twitter. And, of course, tonight from 11, the boys will be back in town for the hour between 11 and midnight at the Four Diego's, and he's good enough to join me this afternoon. Carlos. How are you, Half? How are you going? I'm all right. How are you? Too much football. You. Too much world football is not enough, but we are awash right now with <laughs> world football. Really? I mean, it's, it's big talk with the trade and stuff. But well, You've been sweating over these Griffin uh, trade. I th- you know what I love about discussion uh, with Trade Central. Not, not that we want to go into too much AFL, but uh, you know what I love about what's happening with AFL at the moment? You're okay. just experiencing what we've been experiencing with player managers and players for the last 10, 15 years in world football. They're running the show. The time and, and the AFL catching is... Catching up finally. Well, uh, don't be surprised. I'm telling you, you're going to be having players agitating for a move halfway through their contracts. Tevista. Yeah, I'm telling you. They're just going to go home to Argentina. <laughs> right? The players are just going to go home to Argentina... And they're just going to stay there and refuse to come back until they get, you know, their, what they want. But anyway, but then again, you can go the uh, Brendan Rogers way and just stick by your guns and say, no, you're not going anywhere. You're staying here. You can rot in the reserves. One of the first clubs to do it. And in the, in the end, they got Luis Suarez playing some of the best football the world's seen in the last couple of years before he then left. <laughs> but at least, at least he had him for a, a good year after that. So you can stick by your guns or you can... Uh, you can Bend it at the altar of players and player agents. It's up to you. Well, that's the call that they'll make, some of these clubs. So we'll uh, focus on you, the world game at the moment, Carlos. Um, and I think we need to start with the action overnight from the Socceroos. Now, yep. a, uh, a draw against the UAE, a lifeless draw. What are you calling it, half? A crisis? Because I saw a Crisis graphic. in Qatar <laughs> is the headline. I saw a graphic on... Uh, on Fox Sports, and uh, of course, we've got TVs everywhere. Talk about being right. a wash of football. We're a wash with TVs in the studio. And there was a graphic on Fox Sports News saying, Crisis in Qatar. Is it? That was UAE, it's, it's a lifeless a draw, it's, and we lost 1 0. It, look, it's, home I'm not happy. I'm not happy, but it's not crisis. And Qataris? 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 Qataris. Qataris. That's how I would say. But. It, it, it's not great because we've lost seven in the last ten under Ange Postacoglu. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you want to win ten out of ten. or you want to win. And, uh, for me, I'll stick by what I said last week. These games, and I've got to stick really strong here because, you know, it does shake you a bit when you're not winning. especially you shaking? Well, I, I just what it does, you start questioning, but it's not time to call it a crisis. I'll be in Japan uh, for that game, by the way, in November. In Japan, in, I'll be in Japan. I'm going over because that's that's the first real squad. Oh, I thought we were playing that game here. Is it in no, Japan, no, it's in game? Japan. Yeah, is there any chance of playing a game at home before the World, the Asian Cup at home? Well, it's interesting because you you think you want to play at home, wouldn't you? But I think the, it's the uh, it's the traveling in between in these international weeks. You want to try and limit that because players have got to go back to their clubs. So, uh, but they're going to play Japan on November the 18th, right. and I'll be there. Mm. And the reason why I'll be there, and I wasn't in Qatar or I wasn't in uh, UAE. Mm for these uh, previous games is because that's the one where I believe Ange Postacoglu is going to lay out the squad or something like the squad that he's going to take to the Asian Cup. That's the only squad I'm interested in. Right. And so that's why, of course, I'm not happy. I want the Socceroos to win. I want them to play well. I want them to score for fun. I want, I want all that stuff. But we don't have that at the moment. There are mitigating circumstances around that. Mm-hmm. Ange Postacoglu's talked about that he knows what he's doing and I'm giving him a chance right now. Because these games effectively don't really matter. 
It doesn't matter that our good mates and people we love in Mark Schwarzer, uh, Mark Bosnich and uh, Robbie Slater, love those guys, but they are really carrying on at the moment like it's the end of the world. Uh, it's not yet the end of the world. If we pay, play very, very poorly against a poor Japan side who was beaten 4-0 by Brazil overnight. 4-0? Yeah, 4-0. They're not going so well themselves. And by the way, South Korea got beaten uh, by uh, a fair margin against Costa Rica too. So these so-called teams have got tickets in themselves for the Asian Cup. They're not going so well at the moment themselves. If we play really poorly against Japan, uh, I'll start worrying then because it's our last game before uh, the Asian Cup in January. Emmanuel in Caroline Springs, who's a very loyal listener to the program and to the station, has got a perfect terminology for it. It was a catastrophe. <laughs> very good from Emmanuel there. Very good. Yep. Um, uh, mitigating circumstances. And I, I agree with you regards to the emphasis that uh, clearly Andrew's placed on these games. Now, ideally, you want to get good outcomes yep. and positive outcomes from these, these games and the build-up to the Japan game, particularly, before the Asian Cup. But... When you look at the structure of the team hmm. from the UAE game to the Qatar game last night, you can see that there's a hell of a lot of experimentation going on. I think it was eight changes yep. from the lineup from the UAE to the Qatar game. Yep. So that's a bloke who's just throwing darts, just seeing what he's got, isn't it? Absolutely. And uh, what worries me a little bit is that there was an article, and I'm not sure whether this was before the Qatar game or just after, suggesting that Ange was still looking at A-League players to bring in between now and the Asian Cup. Well, there's only one game between now and the Asian Cup. And Ange, I don't know anything about coaching international teams. Uh, I've never experienced it. I've never done it. I've uh, been on the short list of a few countries, the, but I've never done it, right? In my, in my, in my dreams, I've been on the short list. Yeah, exactly job. right. So, but uh, but I'd say, Ange, stop. No more experimentation. Just pick your, your 23 guys that there or thereabouts. You might have one or two changes between now and January, but there you guys. Let them know that you put your faith in them. Let them know what their roles are. And finally, you can sort out some of the uh, lack of cohesion at times that's in that side. I mean, the goal they conceded. Firstly, I mean, Chris Hurd, who you know played a, 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 re- a relatively good game, I mean, his clearance into the middle of the ground, I mean, that's something that I would have done in my pub league days many, many years ago and got slaughtered for. Well, With he did that at that level, <laughs> except for the groins, yeah. Uh, and then in that, once they got possession... Suddenly, we've got Alex Wilkinson trying to play the offside, on, offside trap yes. on the end of the box. And how many goals we conceded through trying to ping teams on the offside trap since the World Cup, or during the World Cup and since that time? I mean, I think we would have conceded maybe half the goals mm-hmm. that we have under Ange Postacoglu with the back four not being able to make a decision about they all going out or they all staying. Now... Again, well, he was late to go, wasn't he? Oh, he just didn't go. I mean, it was, if you're going to be late, you might as well defend. You, you just don't go. You go with the player, and yeah. that's the thing. If you're ever unsure about what the whole back forward, you don't go. You just go with the player. Doesn't matter how deep you go. You can defend in your in your own six yard box if you want. And I don't know what it is, but is it laziness? Is it? Uh, but it's certainly not deep thinking when that happens. And uh, I know Jason Davison at different times has been caught out in that. Uh, I think everyone in the back four, even Ivan Franich, I think in that first game against Chile, uh, he was criticised not, uh, not uh, you know, balancing out properly or balancing uh, with, the, with the rest of the defenders in that first game. And it all started from there. I think all of them have experienced it where they've not come out uh, or stayed at the right time in one block. So, again, we can see the goal like that. Uh, but, you know, I, I worry more about the the fact that there was a suggestion that Ange might be trying to bring some more players in. 
Ange, stop. Just don't worry about it anymore. Well, that's what I was going to raise with you. Is it has he gone too far with the experimentation? Is there too many players being given opportunities? Should he should he have had a more narrow field to to be playing with at this stage of the preparation? Because it seems to be guys coming from everywhere to have a crack. Yeah, and I don't mind that from a long term point of view. But yep. when you're getting ready for a pretty important competition like we are with the Asian Cup, particularly on home soil, that maybe again you and I have never coached international yep. level, so we don't know. But it does seem to be um, a lot of opportunities given to blokes who are not going to be part of this Asian Cup. Yeah, well, this is where this is where I worry that we don't have enough games beforehand. If we had two more games, I'd think, yep, do what you need to do, Ange. Uh, but look, I've got to put faith in him. I've got to put faith. He's done this before. I'm not wiping him. Yeah, uh, you know, he's not done it at international level at the top level. Is that right? But he's done it at club level, so he's done this before. So if he thinks uh, by bringing in, it's not that he's going to be. With the, with the squad he's going to have against Japan, it's not suddenly he's going to be bringing someone new and they're going to play in the Asian Cup. All these guys have been in these camps through the World Cup. Pro, most probably a lot of the World Cup players are the ones. So they've been with him now for you know four or five games. Mm. I would like to see a couple of games with the squad proper, but he's not going to get that. He'll just have the, the, the Japan game plus the lead-up to the Asian Cup, which I think is no more than 10 days. That's that's all they'll get. Uh, it might be even less than that with some of the players. So uh, yes, I would so like no to... warm up games prior to the Asian Cup, like no. we had in the World Cup. No, not, not that I know of. There's nothing been announced, and I think because it's a, it's right in the middle of the European season, uh, I think players get uh, released right, you know, at the last moment. It's not like they're they're away for a month with their side where they can just you know, being camp, they, they get released for the length of the tournament, but just before the tournament. And this, uh, the African Nations Cup experience this also, because it's, it's at that time of the year too. So, yeah, um, yeah I'd like to see more games, uh, but given that he's only got one, uh, I trust that he's now had a look at everyone, and now he's going to say, okay, I'm going to settle on these guys and work with them in the lead-up to that World uh, Asian Cup in January. I would like another game. I'm with you. Jimmy's mm. in South Moran. G'day, Jimmy. Hey, g'day, fellas. How you going? Good, mate. Good, mate. I've said this once. I'll say it again. Australian soccer is not ready for Ange Foster Cogley's philosophy. He's a very good coach. He should be the should be the coach there. But from grassroots, it all starts from grassroots. Uh, the, the, the FFA skill acquisition program, it's no good. This NPL thing's no good. They should they should have a uh, all soccer academy starting from grassroots. Not these uh, these little ones that are made by dads and you know fathers and whatnot. They should be like Europe. Uh, the Real Madrid's got a, 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 an academy. Now, Victor's got an academy. Every Australian team's got an academy from grassroots. Um, and the European soccer style. Not none of these. Uh, none of these uh, copying ever has a style. The old NSL days was the best because everyone had youth leagues, um, programs. None of these. MPL, you have to, you have to, uh, uh, um, how can I say, you have to, um, sorry, I've just got tongue-tied just then, but I'm telling you, it starts from from grassroots and it's not happening in Australia. Australian players these days are all too static, they're not not mobile enough, no no creativity whatsoever. Righto, Jimmy. Yep. Good work. Yeah, Jimmy, you're, you're talking generational, mate. We don't yeah, have time. We're not, we're not ready for that. You know, we're playing in Japan in November. We're playing the Asian Cup in January. It's on home soil. Uh, we don't have time for generational change right now. I mean, uh, yep. You've got to fund all those things. Yeah, too, and also they have. I mean, they've, they've got the curriculum out. They're, they're looking to build co- the football culture amongst the, the grassroots. That takes time. Yeah. But in the meantime... You know, there's this uh, imperative to win games in the meantime. And that's what Dan's got to do. Jimmy, Rome wasn't built in a day. 
It's going to get built. It's just not built tomorrow. Uh, Stay on the line. The SEN uh, prize pack coming your way. You'll love it. Heaps of action there for you and the fam. Stay on the line. We'll get your details. More calls after the break. More Carlos. 26 to 2. Back shortly. 20 to 2. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us talking the world game. A bit of backflash from the uh, Socceroos loss overnight. Uh, what, what did my man call it off the SMS? Uh, catastrophe. <laughs> the 1-0 loss for the Socceroos to Qatar. One of the concerns, Carlos, seems mm. to have been, and it's we've talked about it a lot, but our lack of ability or our lack of unearthing a forward prong, a prong up front. Pro- prolific prong. A prolific prong. prong, as we call them here on uh, on Carlos Alberto Diego World Game stuff. Um and Timmy Carl played last night, yep. and he had a couple of good looks. But there doesn't seem to be, in, and the other game against UAE was a concern from this respect, that at this stage, we haven't unearthed anyone that's been able to step in and say, right, oh, give it to me, I'll find a way to hit the net. Yeah, we don't, we've had well, Is that a style thing, or is it a player uh, thing? Look, I don't know, it's a bit of both. Look, uh, for example, Viduka's probably the one that we would all agree was you know, the, the world-class prong that we pinned our hopes on. But if you look at his goal-scoring record in the Socceroos under Farina and uh, under Gus Hiddink and so forth, it wasn't great. Uh, now, I put that down to not the fact that Mark Viduka wasn't a good player. He was a great player, a fantastic, world-renowned player. But the way we serviced him, the way the team played, really affected the one they played with one striker up front or the, or the single-prong formation. Yes. And uh, that just kills you when you don't have... Uh, the right service and, and the right formation. You don't play to that player's strengths. And it really it, it crucified Viduka throughout his whole international career. He scored his goals at club level. We all saw how great he was. He did it on the biggest stage, especially in the EPL. Uh, when he, you know, With Leeds, he scored four at Anfield. You know, or four, or four, four leads. I'm not sure whether it was Anfield, but it certainly was four against Liverpool. Yep. I mean, the guy, you know, no, no simple... Uh, ordinary player does that. So we had a world-class player there, but he, we ne- he never really had a lot of joy scoring a lot of goals for the Socceroos. Now, you know, so there's two aspects of this. We don't have another Viduka on that type of player. People talk about Timmy Kale, but he's your, your big target man up front, does fantastic stuff aerially, but, uh, but you know, you know, is he going to, is he going to be the player that, uh, you know, can dribble three players and take people on and, and finish from all different angles? He's, you know he's done beautifully well for for the type of player he is, uh, but he tends to score a lot of the goals from either scraps in the penalty area or in in uh, you know with uh, uh, you know any crosses or any any ball coming from you know from height. So uh, yeah, we don't have the, the the quality player, and we don't. I don't think we we play to their strengths anyway. Well, we don't have a Viduka, but we do have a. a um um, is it Michael Sim? Matthew Sim? Michael Sim? <laughs> What's his name? Matthew Sim. Matthew Sim. He scored four last night. Yes. He's no mug in the uh, yep. FFA Cup. Palm yeah, Beach and Sharks. he did that in all in 20 minutes too, by the way. Well, he's a Viduka, surely. Get him in the Socceroos team. Well, What's he doing playing for Central Coast? Yeah, no, he's a, he's a guy that they picked up from Manly, I believe, in the state leagues two years before, and he's just fought his way into the squad, and uh, he's, he's sort of in and out of the of the team, and uh, last night he was on the bench in this FFA Cup against Palm Beach Sharks, uh, the state league league team that it's been out of season for a couple of uh, months now and they've just kept training because they've had this big game against Central Coast Mariners and after starting they had a brilliant first two minutes they really yeah, if you watch if you watch the game I thought these guys because they're passing the ball they're pressing Central Coast they're forcing him into errors then after the first two minutes I think they ran out of puff right okay it's and, uh, an issue. yeah it's and then an uh, Central Coast just took over and very professional performance 5-0 
uh, win for them, four to Sim and one to Sana Cernak. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those games. They were always on top. And, you know, if, if Matty Sim hadn't come on, I think they would have still won the game. But uh, he scored four, and I think he's forced his way into the starting lineup for this week uh, with Central Coast Mariners. Thinking of a um, solution to our prong issue in the soccer at the national level, can we naturalise Bessart Barisha? No, I think he's played for uh, Albania at oh. different levels. So, uh, but you know, in the short term fix, I I think the closest, and he's not a he's not a, a technical pointy end prong, but Thomas Broich was one cap away from playing for the Socceroos. I think he played for the German B team. Did he once or twice or something, and he nice. and, and sort of stopped him from playing for us. But uh, uh, maybe in the short term. But th- look, then this, this whole youth crusade that Ange's going for that we're all talking about and we all wanted a long time ago under uh, Holger Osik. Suddenly, if you start doing stuff like that, I know you, you're sort of joshing about that, but oh, really? uh, but if you start bringing him in where they're not coming through your system, you're almost cheating a bit. And I don't think Ange Postacoglu would ever ever do that. So, But he's, uh, look, you know, he's under a lot of pressure. Uh, that's definite. Uh, I want to see what happens in Japan. Um, that'll give me some confidence or or uh, or give me more worry about what's going to happen uh, <laughs> in January. But look, we've seen a lot of times when teams uh, in transition have not done well and then suddenly it clicks. Mm. If it's, it might be Japan, it might be in the group stages of the Asian Cup. Whatever happens, we've got Ange Postecoglou. They're not going to sack him before then. And uh, But, you know... It's not great at the moment, but our opposition is not playing great football either in Japan and South and South Korea at the moment. Steve says off the SMS Australia does have these scoring prong players. They're just two or three years off at Bernie Abini, Tommy Juric and Adam Taggart. I want to talk about the A-League after the break, Carlos, particularly the City victory side of things with our teams here in, in Melbourne. But all the weekend that was, the week one of the Hyundai A-League. We'll do that after the break with Carlos Alberto Diego. Right, Carlos, let's talk about the A-League on the weekend. A great start to Season 10 of the Hyundai A-League. It was a good start and a mm. cracking Friday night fixture for victory fans. A 4-1 over Western Sydney. What did you make of the boys in blue? And by the way, Half, I saw you tweet out, uh, did the Diego's tip this? And, uh, and, did. And, and did you notice that the boys came back and said Carlos was one goal away? Because I picked a 3-1 win for Melbourne victory. Uh, well, everyone, everyone is sitting Underestimated the them, did you? Did you uh, underestimate yeah. the victory? <laughs> yeah, actually. Disappointing, uh, Carlos. But uh, I, I, just, I just felt that uh, it was a little bit misleading, the lead-up for West Sydney Wanderers, what they've done in the Asian Cup. They haven't played a lot of pre-season games because of the Asian Cup, and uh, and they didn't have their best side in. And I don't know, they, I just didn't feel that they had improved necessarily, and they, they probably showed that on Friday night. But having said that, Melbourne victory were dominant. Uh, they were easily the better side on the f- pitch. Uh, they, you know, they... they for most of the game, they, they controlled it. Uh, there were patches in the game where I was a bit disappointed with the way they, they build up. They unforced turnovers at different times. Um, uh, they, the goal they conceded, I mean, that's being picky, yep. and it's just something for... It was a rubbish goal. It was, it was, it was actually a goal that I'd goal. seen a number of times. Uh, you know, Mark Bridge uh, against four Melbourne Victory defenders, and he still got through and scored the yeah, goal. Uh, you know, waiting for the ball to bounce, all that sort of stuff. I mean, it, it's stuff that we've seen in the past, and it's been very frustrating for... Uh, musky, but it only happened once, once on the weekend. So I suppose that's better than losing a game and, and it happening a number of times. But I was pretty impressed. I think uh, uh, Barish is going to be do wonders for Archie Thompson and take the, all the pressure off him. Uh, I think they were, he was really good. And I thought Jason Geria, you know, if you're looking for the younger guys, Jason Geria was fantastic. Uh, he, his issue in the past, I think, is he's been his board use. And I thought he, he uh, hardly gave the ball away and he defended quite well too. So, uh, and Bar- Costa Barbaritas, by the way, I thought was probably Melbourne Victory's best. He was, he was 
sharp. Was terrific. Absolutely bouncing. Speed. Oh, the back heels. Uh, Who was he playing on? Who was defending uh, Yeah, just uh, Shannon Cole. He just ripped, Cole. Yeah, ripped him apart. Yeah, he was a bit slow. Now, they lost. Yeah. Topol Stanley and uh, Spranovich weren't there. Were yeah, they? that's so right. So yeah. they lost a couple of key pillars there. Yeah, yeah. No, and look, they were always going to be a little bit underdone, West Indy Wanderers. But victory, you know, they against a, a resilient West Sydney Wanderers side, even if they're not playing well, they're tough to beat. And so for them to, you know, uh, get the three early goals and then go on to win 4-1, I thought that was a, a really good result for them. Uh, and with still uh, work to do, by the way. Then it wasn't. A, I read somewhere that someone's calling it a complete performance. It was nowhere near a complete performance, but it was a very, very dominant performance for round one. And good to see some of the recruits uh, go well too with uh, Borussia scoring the penalty and, of course, Mathieu yes. Delpierre uh, getting the first goal for the season. So the victory fans would have been wrapped. And Carl Valeri that. played a great Carl game Valeri too. Carl Valeri through yeah. the middle of the park mm. as well. Uh, the boy Georgeski at full back. Turned the ball over a bit for mine. Yeah, he yeah, just turned it over a little bit. Uh, and I think when Scotty Galloway's back, I think uh, uh, he's got not too many worries there. Uh, yeah. Look, he may have been first game nerves, who knows, but yeah. I, I just wasn't overly impressed with him. No, not on debut. Uh, Lee Broxham, of course, half-time zone, mm. just getting us cracker through the through the keeper as well. What about uh, the newest team in town, Melbourne City, Carlos? What did you make of their performance against Sydney FC? Uh, look, the, the result in the end was a bit disappointing for them because they actually uh, controlled that game against the depleted Sydney FC side. Uh, uh, but there's a there's a underlying resilience to that side now. I mean, there's a real uh, there's a real method to the way they play. Damien Duff was electrifying. I mean, so good seeing a player when he gets the ball wide and he's cutting in, he's taking fullbacks on. You can always see him thinking about what he's going to do as it's going to happen. It's no, it's not guesswork with yeah. him. And the goal that David Villa scored, and what a goal! You know, first the receiving and the soft touch, soft. and then and then the the shifting of the ball to the to the right, and then the passing the passing. He actually passed the ball into the goals from about uh, what is it about twenty meters. Uh, just world class. Uh, and even though he had a quiet time when he came on, it was just a brilliant goal that made everyone very very happy who saw that. But the uh, but the the build up by Damien Duff and the way he cut that back and cut out four defenders with the cutback, it's just that's world class. And I think you know he's here to stay for the whole season, which is great. Yep. And he's going to create a lot of havoc against uh, these sides, and he's going to create a lot of goals for anyone who's in the right position. And Via, you know, he you can just see that it was it was, tele- it was telepathic between those two. And uh, and Villa, even when he described the goal, he sort of said, "I noticed that my defender was a little bit out of position." I mean, this, these guys think way before, and they they know every second of what's happening. Whereas I think a lot of our young players coming through are very talented, but they they don't. They, there's no building blocks to their thoughts. It's a bit of guesswork. Uh, or they're relying on instinct. Well, experience but plays a part too. Absolutely, playing as long as he has at the level he has, yeah. so he's got a you know knowledge of of systems and defence yeah. and attack and obviously where the ball's going to go and where it should go and getting himself in the right spot. So and, and what the Melbourne City boys, young kids, are going to learn just from listening to that. That it's more just than being on the field and hoping the ball's going to come to you. Just get in the right positions, uh, you know. Make the defenders think. Uh, make sure that you make sure the person servicing you uh, is doing the right thing too. And that was brilliant. I thought that that goal was absolutely spectacular for me. Will he start this week? <laughs> I've got no idea. But uh, of course you do. I, I think it's a brave man not starting him. If he's physically fit, you go ahead. But I think if he doesn't, it's New York FC and Manchester City saying no. Right. It wouldn't okay. be Melbourne. Uh, uh, Melbourne City saying no. From up above, says Carlos Alberto, Diego, some of the directions coming. We'll take a break back shortly.
Carlos Alberto Diego has been with us all hour long. Carlos, as we build up to round two of the Hyundai A-League this week, I know you've got uh, more to talk about tonight from 11 with the boys and the Four Diegos, but we build up to round two. Uh, just give me your tips. Adelaide United yep. Melbourne Victory is going to be awesome Friday night at Adelaide Oval. That's going to be fantastic. And I was impressed with Adelaide. I think a draw. Central Coast and Wellington Phoenix. Central Coast. Sydney FC and the West Sydney Wanderers, the Derby. 43,000 sellout, Carlos. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, look, I, I'm worried about West Sydney, and Sydney's getting a couple of backs, so a couple of prongs back. So I'll go with uh, Sydney for that. Melbourne City at home for the first time this season. Uh, Melbourne the City must win. Must win? Yes. Game to Six two point must win. Six point up. Gee whiz, yep. a bit of pressure on. Perth Glory hosts the Brisbane Raw, Carlos. Uh, Brisbane Raw, away from home. They're too good. They're missing Barisha, but they're still too good. Perth will win that (laughs) 2-0. You heard it here first on Halftime. Looking forward to catching up with you and the boys from 11pm tonight, mate. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, mate. Carlos Alberto Diego every Wednesday on Halftime. News time, 2 o'clock. Plenty happening in the world of the AFL. Stick around. You'll find out more on Halftime.